Hi everyone, welcome to HubShots episode 115. In this episode, we talk about growing with HubSpot in Melbourne. Plus we look at HubSpot's new features, especially on the sales side of the product. We look at how Google Search Console to check keyword rankings, now that HubSpot's killing the keyword tool. And we finish with a ton of interesting resources to embiggen your marketing thinking. HubShots is Apex number one HubSpot podcast where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, new features, strategies for growing your marketing results. We hope you enjoy the podcast as much as HubSpot CEO Brian Halligan does. Thanks for creating this podcast. It's awesome. I listen to it on the weekends and I really enjoy it. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found and with me is my co-host Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Well, really good. Uh, M. Biggin indeed. We've That's got, right. We've got a pretty packed show tonight. Great stuff. We're recording this on Wednesday the 7th of March, which of course means that next week is Grow with HubSpot in Melbourne. That's right, on Thursday the 15th of March. Now, you're definitely going to be there. I'm looking forward to it. You know what? I'm looking forward to catching up with Charles McKay yes. as well from Sinks. He'll be there and he's on the panel session. So looking forward to listening to him as well. He's a smart guy. He's going to have plenty of cool stuff to say. And on the Wednesday, we'll probably have dinner with some people, won't we? Gee, that'd be good. Yeah, if people are interested in catching up, drop us a line. In fact, in the HubShots group on Facebook, there's a link in that in the show notes. Yeah, come and join us and uh, that'd be great to see you there. And in the following two weeks after that, we have the Sydney HubSpot user group, which is known fondly as the Sydney Hug. It's a great way to meet other HubSpot users and some of the HubSpot team and other partners. So it's going to be at Piedmont at WeWork. So we encourage you to register and be there for that. Yes. So two great community events on there. They're both free and registration links are in the show notes. Hope to see you there. And for the first time ever, there's going to be five partners that are going to be partaking in bringing the Sydney HubSpot user group. So it's going to be big. That's right. All right, Craig, on to our HubSpot feature of the week. And this is about following contact, company and deal records in the CRM. Tell me, why is this so important, Craig? I read it and I was like, "Mm, is it important? But I think you have a very valid point that we were talking about earlier. And tell me what that was. All right. So let me just explain what this feature release is and then where it's likely heading. So what you can do now is you can basically set up notifications against your own user profile. So in uh, HubSpot on the top right, go to your profile. You can elect to receive notifications for following things. So you can follow a contact, follow a company, follow a deal. And anytime there's a change to it of significance, so for an example, in a deal, if the stage changes, you can get a notification of that in email. And so you combine that with mentions, which has already been in HubSpot for a while, where you can get notifications about that. And so what we're heading to is this kind of situation where anything that's happening within HubSpot around contacts and companies and that you can get notified of. Now, this reminds me very much of if you go back five or 10 years when Salesforce was getting off the ground and they had this tool called Chatter. I mean, they still have it, but it was kind of revolutionary at the time. And the whole point was, he was a CRM that everyone in the company could be part of. So they had the chatter, which was a stream. It was kind of a stream of what was happening in the CRM. And at first people were kind of laughing at this. It's like, well, a CRM, who cares what's going on in the CRM? Very quickly, it became very sticky because everyone in the business was involved in what's happening with their customers and, and internal processes. So it kind of, to me, sounds very much like this is the way HubSpot's heading and when their customer hub product comes out later in the year, I'll be really interested to see how this feeds in with that because I wouldn't mind betting there's going to be this sense of 
not getting notifications by email, but notifications within a stream. And they'll just be like an activity feed uh, within HubSpot that ties everything together because you'll have marketing sales and then customer support as well. And you can just see that this will become integral to many companies. Everyone in a company will be in HubSpot kind of following what's going on. The great thing about HubSpot licensing, of course, is that it's per contact, not per user. So you can get everyone in your business now in HubSpot for no additional cost, which is actually different to other CRM models, which are a per user basis. So something really cool there to look forward to. And so I can see just uh, HubSpot gently, gently going down that path. Be interesting to see how it plays out. Provides lots of value within the organization, I think, keeping everyone uh, up to date with what's going on. Mm. So I like it. So I think this is just the start of something bigger that's happening within HubSpot. So yeah, have a look at it and be educated and look out for more. All right, now onto our HubSpot gotcha of the week, Craig. And I've been using the content strategy tool a bit with different customers and I stumbled upon this probably to my amazement. But, you know, when you create a content cluster within the content strategy tool, you get numbers with certain phrases, how relevant it is, how much search traffic and so on. What I did was as I went out, I went, oh, there's that little action button on the side and I clicked it and I went, oh, I can change the locale, which should be Australia. So it defaults to the US. And then I went, oh, I should go and check those numbers again. And then I discovered obviously they've changed. So what I want to highlight here is that make sure your locale is actually set correctly because that can even affect, I think, the suggestions it makes to actually put in that content cluster. So have a look at that because I noticed I had lots of American terms when I was looking at a particular topic. And then when I changed it, some of them got filtered out because it came up with Home Depot or something. And I went, oh, that's not Australian. So just be aware and make sure you actually set that correctly. Yeah, good pro tip. And I think because it's per cluster, you can actually, if you want, in your content strategy tool, you can create the keyword twice or the cluster twice and just use a different locale in each. But yeah, Australian search keyword volume seems to be, well... Is ordinary. <laughs> ordinary, yeah, lower. And I guess that's pulled from Google, so it's not HubSpot's fault. It's uh, really what Google allows us to to see yeah and i think as we keep using this and this grows and becomes better we might have other strategies but i thought this is actually really key to just understanding some of the metrics around what you're doing yeah good point really important all right craig on to our marketing tip of the week and this is how to use google search console to view keyword ranking data now that the keyword tool in hubspot's leaving us that's right so we've mentioned this previously on the show just how useful Google Search Console is. There'll be two segments in our listeners, some that use it all the time and are kind of like, yeah, duh. And then there'll be others who'll be like, oh, what is this keyword Google Search Console that I, in some cases, not even heard about? Because Google hasn't done a good job, I think, of promoting it to more general marketing people. If you're on the technical side, you're probably aware of it, uh, but on the more general marketing side, maybe not. So I thought it was worth highlighting to uh, our listeners that if you're not already using Google Search Console, then you should. Now, we're not going to go through how to set up the account because mm. that's a separate process. It's reasonably straightforward if you look for uh, well, Google, the term Google Search Console. As long as you've already got a Google account, for Correct. example, if you've got Google Analytics set up, use that same account. You can create a Google Search Console listing. And if you've ever heard the term Google Webmaster Tools, it's That's actually right. the That's same thing. That's what it was called a long time ago. Yeah. And I think the URL even still says Webmaster Tools. It? Yeah. So that's Google Search Console set up an account and you have to verify your account. It guides you through that. Uh, but we've included some screenshots in the show notes 
that just show how to find keyword data. So also worth mentioning, Google Search Console's had a bit of an upgrade lately. So there's the old version, then the new beta version. We've got screenshots of both. In the old version, you can jump in and see search analytics and how to dive into keyword data. And then in the new version, you can as well. The new version is actually better in many ways because you have much more history, you have up to a year's worth of data, whereas the, the old version only had it to 90 days. Uh, so well worth checking out. And I guess what we wanted to say, here's the show notes. Uh, have a look at the screenshots, get how to set it up. If you're running into problems or got questions, please leave us a comment and uh, we'll address those for you. Yeah, jump into the Facebook group and leave a comment. I wanted to highlight something, Craig. People often aren't aware of issues on their website, raw issues or errors that are happening. And the Search Console is a really good place to start because it'll actually tell you if Google can't read certain things, if it's following links that are broken and where they are, because that's half the problems with most sites. Think people change things. HubSpot's really good at if you change a URL that's existing to actually put a redirect in place. Some other platforms don't do that and you end up with all this lost traffic in essence. So definitely start there, look at it, make sure everything's got the green tick of approval and then look at all the keyword data that's in there as well. Yeah, that's a good point because Google Search Console is much more than just keywords. We're just highlighting that. You've highlighted a good one, which is errors and crawling issues. I just want to make a comment on some of the errors that they highlight. We've actually had a few clients saying, oh, I'm getting this email that says I've got coverage issues. So it's pretty common, I think. I think I get a bunch of these emails every day. And uh, when you look into it, it's actually not an issue. So I just wanted to highlight if you are getting those, don't be overly worried. It's worth checking it out. But there's kind of a few false positives that it throws out, I think. So just to be aware of, good and bad there. All right. On to our HubSpot sales feature of the week, Craig. And this is really good because now you can set up in HubSpot meetings an automatic email reminder to help people make sure they don't miss that meeting. So put some screenshots there about how to set it up because you've got to enable a few things. But one of the really interesting things, it says people actually sent a reminder 72 hours before and one hour before the meeting which is interesting, 72 hours and one hour. So you can't select that. So I thought I might be able to see where that was in the system. You can't actually see that. You can enable it. You can actually add what the description is in the email. You get the option to do that. And there's no personalization. So it just says, hello, you know, this is a friendly reminder you're meeting with, with Craig is at 10.45 and it's on this topic. So I include the description because I put my number in there because generally it's a phone meeting. And then as I look forward to meeting you with my signature at the end. This is really interesting because when I first saw this, I was wondering like, okay, they've gone to some effort to create this. This must have been a request. Like are people getting no-shows a lot? And then what I realized is it depends on the type of industry because I I don't think I've had a, I can't remember the last no-show I had to a meeting. They've all been pretty good. But I do know from in other industries and clients, for example, um, dentists and physiotherapists, all those kind of service industries along those lines, they're always getting no-shows and it's a massive cost to the business. So I bet it's that kind of segment of HubSpot users that have really pushed for this kind of reminder. And maybe they're using it in their business on the sales CRM side and setting up appointments maybe as part of other systems. Just wondering if that's what's driven it because it, it just seemed an interesting feature to add. You know what I find interesting is the whole 72 hours, which is three days, right? Right, yeah. So there's something to do with the three days, which I'd be curious to know whether there's some sort of theory behind the 72 hours in terms of jogging people's memory. Oh, I'm about, like, I've got 
in two days' time I'm going to turn up to this meeting. Well, I could imagine, again, in those kinds of industries where you book in a month in advance or even six months in advance, to get three days' warning rather than one day, possibly it means there's time to plan for it. Yeah, Yeah. that makes sense. So it is interesting when you kind of pull things apart. But if you haven't actually, if you like we've both got lots of meetings link set up, it's actually worth going through and actually enabling that throughout the system. All right, opinion of the week, Craig. And this is to do with all the things that have been happening around Facebook. And our advice to people is don't build your house on the rented land like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Well, I think we've said many times on the show, as has just about every marketing blog, podcast and thing on on the planet. Well, actually, let me take that back because actually a couple of years ago, many companies weren't. They were building their entire presence on Facebook. Or I remember when Medium was just taking off. We were very early fans of Medium. And it was the advisor, I remember um, Joe Polizzi and uh, this old marketing saying, be very careful because companies were jumping on. And they're like, yeah, beware of um, building on rented land because it can go away. Well, we kind of have seen that happen so often that it's kind of obvious to us, and yet it's not obvious to many companies. Uh, they still do put a huge amount of effort into one channel and possibly even not even a channel they control, so Facebook's one. So in Opinion of the Week, we've linked to two posts. The first is from Business Insider talking about a company that's actually now had to close down. Okay, and they were an online publisher. Online publisher. And what's funny about it is that just a year or so ago when Facebook was changing its whole kind of deal with publishers, they were like, oh, no, we trust Facebook. They need us. We need them. It's, you know, um, mutually uh, beneficial kind of thing. And now uh, a year or 18 months later, they're going to say, no, actually, the Facebook algorithm has changed. We can't afford to say we're going out of business. We're actually shutting down this multi-million dollar company. So there's more and more of these stories coming out. So reason for highlighting it on the show is just to say, look, be very careful. There are big businesses going out of business because mm. of these algorithm changes. So keep that in one hand. And if you actually want to comment on that, how Facebook is changing, we thought it'd be funny to put a link to a post in our Facebook group <laughs> where you can comment on it. And because <laughs> Facebook groups are one way that are a chance to improve. So we just thought that was, I don't know, a bit meta and funny. But yeah, come and comment on that because we posted in the Facebook group a week or so ago. But the second thing is now this other news that uh, HubSpot's announced that they've been awarded by Facebook. As a badged marketing partner. As a badged marketing partner. Now, I just want to read this uh, comment out to you. HubSpot announced today, this is from HubSpot's own post, that Facebook has recognised HubSpot for its rich capabilities, deep expertise and long track record of success in advertising technology. <laughs> Naming HubSpot an official badged marketing partner. So uh, is this, we're talking about advertising in an inbound way, Craig? Always, Ian. It's, an, it's, it's all right to advertise as long as it's in an inbound way, as we often joke. But there you have it. Okay. A company as HubSpot, they've adapted quickly to it, right? A year or two to go, oh, no, not so much. Social's just channel, organic, paid, not so much. Now very much it's pay to play. HubSpot don't muck around. They see the winds of change early. So follow what HubSpot's doing and uh, implement in your own marketing strategies as well. Yeah, and I think you see it across the tool. It's these key things that HubSpot have implemented, even in marketing free, things like lead flows. They've put in lead ads where you can connect through HubSpot to, to Facebook to actually build that, to create those audiences 
So there's immense power in what is already there. And I think this is the key. It's about utilizing all these different channels or ways of getting to people and marketing to them appropriately. So yes, it is definitely a pay-to-play field. And I think we've got to be aware of that when we're doing stuff. But you know what? It's ever-evolving and that's the game we're in. So be educated, understand what things are happening and be wise with what you're doing in your business and make sure that you actually have that contact. Or at some point in the journey, you actually have those people's contacts instead of marketing to a bunch of people that you have no idea about. All right, on to our podcast of the week, Craig. And this is the interview with Kevin Kelly. Tell me more. Okay, so this was on The Motley Fool, one of The Motley Fool podcasts with uh, David Gardner, who's I, I very good. Yeah, I, I really admire him and respect his investment advice. So my thing, why are we talking about an investing podcast on uh, this, which is a, more of a marketing podcast? Well, one of the good things about the Motley Fool podcast and David Gardner in particular is he often interviews thought leaders. I hate to use the word thought leader, but interesting people that actually do have thought leadership, not just claim to it, but they do. And he's interviewed a lot of people that I respect and admire, not in the investing game, but in other fields, psychology. And in this case, Kevin Kelly's written a book called The Inevitable, which is future looking. And I I hesitate to use the word futurist because it's another one of those bingo terms you see on, you know, LinkedIn profiles, futurist, thought leader. Yes, right. But this guy really is. And he's written, he was a, a wired editor and writer as well. But he talks about future changes coming and a lot of these i think as marketers we can embrace so it's a fascinating interview it's only about 20 minutes on yeah. for the main part got a link in the show notes and we might just uh, read out yeah, so a, a few share some highlights comments. yeah so he was asked uh look looking into the future because you know everyone's oh what's happening with ai machine Correct. learning my jobs are going to go he said what's what's the one skill david gardner was asking kevin what's the one skill we should go for and he said i think there's primarily only one meta skill that will serve people in the future and that is the meta skill of learning how to learn okay so that's you might say yeah yeah righto but actually think that through and listen to the podcast because he unpacks that but that really is it it's learning how to learn because things are changing so quickly it's almost like don't learn a current technology but learn how to learn technologies correct and i think that's what we see in marketing you know when we do stuff it's like oh i'm not going to learn how to do this particular thing i'm going to learn how to use that particular thing to apply to something i've learned about a strategy or an approach so that was really good and then the other comment here's just one little takeaway from it chris hill who was interviewing him said look i've been to china twice in the past two years and no one is using cash or transactions on Tencent app. And so then Kelly says, yeah, well, that's true. And in fact, so much the case that there was people begging in China, but they don't take cash because no one's got the chase. You actually have to use a mobile app in order to give them money. So he had a QR code like you're begging and he's my QR you know code what? to give me um, cash. So, yeah. That's amazing. But this is the thing. That's how it's changing. And in the US, which is archaic in its kind of banking system and, and, and all With that cash. kind of stuff. At least in Australia, we're a bit more advanced. I, I remember telling you last time we went to inbound in Australia, like, right. I pay with everything on my phone. I actually don't you use Apple Pay. I use Apple yeah. Pay. Like, I literally haven't used cash for ages because in Australia, we're kind of ahead. And 
I pay for everything on my phone. I don't even have credit cards or cash on me almost ever, actually. But then when I went to the US, I actually couldn't pay with my phone anywhere. And I actually had just taken an Amex as a backup. (laughs) I had to pay with that everywhere. And I was like, it was a real shock to the system. So it just shows you how technology, because I think the US is kind of a couple of years ahead of Australia in terms of general marketing. And yet in things like that, Mm. way behind. It's just bizarre. And we often discount other areas like China and what's happening there. So fascinating. That is very fascinating. And I'm going to leave you with one last thought, which is in the the podcast says, so I think the world is getting better, not by very much, but 1% compounded annually is civilization. All right, Craig, onto our resource of the week. And this is on the Moz blog about Google keeping a walled garden. Yeah, well, we've got two posts related to Google. One's from Moz talking about just how much Google controls its results these days and doesn't want you to leave. So previously you'd click a link, go off to another site. Now they try and keep you there. And then there's uh, the New York Times has an article with Charles Duhigg, Duhigg, who we love. love. I love his books. Uh, He was spoke at um, Inbound two years ago talking about the case against Google. And I don't agree with it entirely. It's a bit kind of one-sided, but great thinking just about how much Google controls and whether we should be worried about that. All right, Craig, on to our quote of the week. And this is from Thomas Tungs. And it says, it's about the marketing roadmap. So we put a link to it. But at the highest level, marketing articulates a compelling narrative. This is step one. The narrative brings the market forward by contrasting the current state of affairs with persuasive view of the future. This is the gap analysis, a comparison of the current state of affairs to the desired potential. Now, if you just listen to that, you might want to rewind 30 seconds and and listen to it again. So I'll I'll try and summarise that even more. There's before marketing and then there's after marketing, the future state of marketing. Yes. And he's saying marketing's job is to basically tell that story or that narrative that gets someone from before to after And then the rest of the post goes through how he breaks that down across personas and channels. It's really interesting reading. All right. And finally, on to our app of the week, Craig. And this is the camera app. I cannot believe this. Now, thank you, Justin, for alerting us to this uh, piece of technology. I thought you need a QR reader to actually read QR codes on an iPhone. I did Especially in iOS 11. And to our amazement, Justin said, oh, it works on your camera. So, of course, Craig and myself this evening decided we'll... Try lots of QR codes with that camera and it does work. So there's something, if you had no idea and you see a QR code and go, what is that? You can actually use the camera on your phone to That's right. get to the right spot. So in fact, Shot 10, our app of the week is that you don't need an app to read <laughs> QR codes. That's exactly it's, right. It's natively in iOS or probably in Android as well, I'd assume. But yeah, we just didn't know. Well, Craig, there's bonus links at the end of the show. So when you're not driving, running around or walking, listening to us, you can check those out in the show notes and we'd love to leave a comment and be at Grow With HubSpot in Melbourne or be at The Hug in Sydney. Well, everyone, until next time, see you later, Craig. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes and the latest HubSpot news and tips, please visit us at hubshots.com.